What is up, everyone? Welcome to Marvel Standom, your live and weekly insider's look at the MCU. I'm your host, Mike Cicchini, the editor-in-chief of DennyGeek.com. And with me, for all time and always, I have DennyGeek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard and DennyGeek TV Editor Alec Bajalid. And this week, we are kicking off our coverage of each and every episode of Marvel's Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. Now, Obviously, we're here talking about Marvel more or less every week, but don't forget you can get daily Marvel coverage over at thegeek.com slash Marvel. When you're done here, head over there to read Kirsty's review of today's episode, some interviews we have with the directors and showrunners, and much more. And we drop new Marvel coverage every single day, so make sure you check it out. Not only that, Kirsty will have a full rundown of all the essential Moon Knight comics to read on Marvel Unlimited for those who want to know more about the character come Friday over at thegeek.com. Now, we should just dive right into this. Kirsty, why don't you tell us what happened in episode one? In the first episode of Moon Knight, we meet Stephen Grant, a timid gift shop employee, apparently suffering from a sleep disorder, who is taking great pains to avoid sleepwalking. Stephen is lonely, under, unappreciated in his job at the museum, and has seemingly asked out an attractive co-worker without realising it. Stephen awakens one morning to discover that overnight he has travelled across Europe and tried to steal a golden scarab from Arthur Harrow, a cult leader who dishes out mortal punishments on his followers, those whose lives don't quite balance the scales of the Egyptian goddess Amit. Escaping Harrow's goons, he encounters an alternate American version of himself called Mark, who keeps taking over his body at the bidding of an Egyptian moon god, Khonshu. Later, when he wakes up at home, Stephen realises that he is missing time and has skipped his planned date. Harrow pursues Stephen to the museum where he unleashes a deadly jackal on him and Stephen is convinced to let the Mark identity take over his body where he transforms into the costumed Moon Knight and kills the jackal, destroying the museum bathroom in the process. So I think we should warn everybody who's tuning in right now that this will be a spoiler-filled discussion of Moon Knight Episode 1. We're going to get into as many cool details as we can, uh, whatever little Marvel Easter eggs we can find in there, and we will give you as much Moon Knight history and context as we possibly can for this kind of offbeat first episode. So what did everybody think? Alec, how about we start with you? What did you think of Episode 1? Um, you know, not not to break kayfabe here, but uh, I think it's kind of common knowledge that uh, most critics got uh, four episodes of this. And I'll say of the four, um, I thought this one was the most effective um, just because it's in like kind of question asking mode as opposed to answer delivery mode, which I just always feel like works better on TV to begin with. Um, I, I found plenty of it intriguing and interesting at least if not like spectacular uh and i think it probably helps that i also appear to have a much higher tolerance for oscar isaac stephen grant access the accent the most because uh, that seems to be a big barrier for ent to entry for most people uh but i thought this was generally a compelling opening um if not like a spectacular episode of television i honestly expected it to be a little bit better because moon knight is such a cool character um but this seemed like kind of the beginning of just like a generic thriller more or less kirsty what did you think um 
it was a bit messy, uh, but I enjoyed it overall, I would say, and I definitely had more fun with it on a second viewing. I think going into this, I was like, you know, I don't want to end up being too precious about Moon Knight, just because I love that character and I love his comics. Um, but then I kind of realised it's impossible to be too precious about Moon Knight, because he's been written so many different ways already. Uh, every writer has had their own take on Moon Knight and Mark Spector, and this is just like the latest version, right? But I also realised that in some ways, because I'm as familiar with Moon Knight as I am, that this show was probably going to frustrate me a little, and it did. Like, I already know how wild Moon Knight can be, so perhaps I'm not experiencing the confusion and the thrill of getting to know him a little bit for the first time. Um, I'm interested to see how this all pans out, um, whether the story will go beyond the first season. Um, also really interested to find out whether Moon Knight newbies will want to stick with him or whether he'll be too much for them. I think the issues with Moon Knight on TV and that come across in this first episode specifically are that you know, there are limits to telling a Moon Knight story. Um, it doesn't matter the medium, really, actually. You've got, like, three main options. You can put him in the midst of the Marvel Universe at street level. You can delve into the Egyptian mythology. And you can attempt a study of his mental health journey. But only a brave writer attempts all three, because that is a lot. And here they've gone with options two and three, but it's still so much to deal with. Given the constraints of a six-episode series, that's probably been a big challenge. Um, but I think this is a really decent opening for the show. Um, I've also seen four episodes, and we'll be talking about those at a later date. Um, but in terms of the first episode, yeah, I thought this was um, really intriguing, really fun. So I guess I have to be the one who, uh, who dissents here. I thought this is a, a pretty awful hour of television, to be honest. Uh, and, you know, again, I've seen four episodes and I will say like any harsh words that I have to say about this, I do like the show a little bit more as it goes on. And I think we get a better idea of what this series is kind of supposed to be as we get into these future episodes. But I'm baffled about this. I really am. Like, I feel like every time they had an opportunity to make a choice in this episode, they made the wrong one. And like, like, First and foremost, I think by centering um, not the Stephen Grant character so much as this particular interpretation of the Stephen Grant character. Um, you know, I am not, I feel like I, I have to say this anytime I criticize one of these shows when we do these, right? It's like, I know the default assumption is always going to be, well, Mike is a big comics guy and therefore he is, you know, not you know, like he's going to be annoyed every time that they make significant departures from the comics. First of all, that's not true. Second of all, Kirsty knows way more about Moon Knight comics than I do. So if they're not annoyed, there's no reason that I should be annoyed on those grounds. So like I'm taking this just purely as a, as a first episode of television and I just find it really grating and unfunny. And um, I was not I was not sold on, on this interpretation, but I think, you know, the big thing that we need to talk about because it dominates so much of the episode is Oscar Isaac's portrayal of the Stephen Grant element of the Moon Knight personality. So, Kirsty, 
Where are you at with this? I wasn't a fan of it going in, having seen the uh, the previews of it and the trailers and clips and stuff. Um, I get why they went away from the Stephen Grant of the comics because, you know, that's more of the Bruce Wayne element of Moon Knight and they didn't want to replicate that on the show. Or, or And it's a good way to avoid any comparisons. Um, but Stephen is a bit annoying, um, as are all English people. Um, <laughs> ha- you've met enough of us to know that by now, right? Um I think Leno Isaac's a producer on this show. He's clearly been given a lot of freedom to decide what his performance should look like. We've heard that it was his idea to do the accent of Stephen and that he watched a ton of British TV shows to get a feel for how the character should come across. This performance doesn't always work for me, but I was kind of impressed by how far he was willing to take it. Maybe I'm just I'm just not afraid of annoying characters. Like, <laughs> being annoying is like a legitimate personality trait as far as I'm concerned um and I find uh Stephen Grant's kind of annoying nature to be weirdly charming Kirsten you have a better conception of the London economy than I do but like do you think he could afford like a a flat by himself on a gift shop museum salary is he not or is that just like is Mark paying for everything else I feel like I feel like no I feel like if he, you know, uh, Stephen Grant's bathroom, he could afford that. Maybe <laughs> if he just ate pot noodles um, every day. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> that's TV, folks. Yeah, it's kind of funny that this is like the second Marvel project um, in under a year that has a character working as like a museum curator. Well, he's not a curator that he wants to be, but uh, going back to Eternals with that, how that opened up. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think like, Kirsten, you mentioned earlier that this route, the show takes routes two and three with the Egypt stuff and like the dissociative identity disorder stuff. Um, if anything's working for me in this first episode, it's route two. Um, just because it's been a while since somebody has tried to do kind of a fun, quirky Egyptian history thing. Um, and maybe that's why Stephen Grant's more tolerable because he's part of that storyline. And I like his uh, Egyptian historical knowledge is somewhat interesting. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Oscar Isaac in a silly accent, is, uh, I found fairly tolerable. Watching this first episode, um, and this is not a spoiler for anything coming up, but I'm wondering, like, I feel like it's kind of pointed that we never see Stephen Grant actually speak to his mother. He's always leaving messages. Like, I wonder how much Steven is missing from like his day-to-day life. Cause I, I wonder if he's even aware that anybody's paying the bills for this place that he lives. I was wondering about that too. And I, I, I did wonder if he might be leaving messages on what he's been up to, uh, to Mark. Um, he thinks he's leaving them to his mother, but he's actually sort of checking in with Mark, but he doesn't know that he's doing it. It's just been set up that way. I think that would be interesting. I hadn't thought of that. And that would actually be fascinating because as much as I hate Steven and I only want the worst for him, like I, <laughs> um, like when I was watching it a second time today, 
I was like, you know, it's going to be really heartbreaking when this show reveals that this guy who is like pouring his heart out to his mother's voicemail, when it's revealed that this is like, you know, just some random old lady's number or something and that like he doesn't even have this comfort like that is the one thing that could make me feel sorry for this guy uh <laughs> so but i think you're onto something the idea that it's like when mark specter realizes that sometimes he's going to lose control for extended periods of time to somebody who's just completely incapable and the only way for him to keep tabs on himself is is by doing this i think that's fascinating and very in keeping with exactly the kind of thing you would expect from mark specter lee in the comments says that uh steven is bumbling in a fun way and i would agree if it was for 15 minutes not 45 and then um you know there are still more episodes coming so uh yeah it's just it's just too much it's just too much for me but Clearly, there are people who feel very differently about this show from our uh, Marvel Standom Facebook group. Somebody posted, uh, still trying to pick my jaw up off the floor after watching the first episode of Moon Knight. The show is absolutely daring and doesn't look or feel like any other Marvel show. Hey, great. Look, folks, your mileage may vary. Like, just because I don't like this thing and Alec isn't too keen on it either. And even our Moon Knight expert, Kirsty is like a little lukewarm on it so far. Like, I want people to enjoy this. Like, at no point do I want anybody to feel like if something isn't connecting for the Marvel Standom team, that this is, you know, that we're trying to make you feel bad for liking it. Um, okay, maybe sometimes, but this is not one of those times, I promise. <laughs> yeah, Mike, this this week is your turn to get your ass lit up in the comments. Like, my, <laughs> my time in the jackpot is coming. It's just not this week. <laughs> like, I thought this, this episode's totally fine. It's just later on where I get upset. Okay. All right. Well, good. Then I'll be defending some of those. Like, but let's talk about some of the cool stuff because there is cool stuff here. And for me, the character that I want to spend more time with from the second he appears on screen, and it is telling that this is the first character that we see on screen, is Ethan Hawke's Arthur Harrow. Uh, so I love the way they introduced this character. Um, I love that Dylan song that that opens the uh that opens the show i mean like that's the song is called every grain of sand it was a song that uh, dylan wrote when he was like he became a born-again christian for a few years and had like produced some faith-based albums and every grain of sand really speaks to those themes but if you look at the lyrics like these could also very much apply to somebody who has been saved by other deities perhaps as we know that mark was and as we know that uh that arthur harrow is as well so like i want to i, I want to talk about ethan hawk's performance and i want to talk about like the possibilities presented by this character because this could be a very cool marvel villain who wants to start <laughs> well i guess i'll start because i don't know anything i mean nobody knows anything about arthur harrow the comic character but i mean if anybody does Kirsten does, so I'll get my <laughs> stupid take out of the way uh, so she, she can do her educated one. I agree. I thought the opening scene of this was really cool. It gave me like really high hopes for the rest of it. Um, I, I do. I love that Dylan song as well. Um, Marvel has kind of mastered the art of like having the appropriate pop song to play over the opening credits. Um, like going back to Endgame, I remember like just having a, a soft, jaunty, like soft rock song playing while the Marvel logo kind of cascades down. 
they've really mastered that. Ethan Hawke is great. He's a phenomenal actor. Um, I am a little surprised that this is the role that he decided to kind of break his comic book superhero embargo with, uh, at least based on this first episode, because there's not quite a ton there yet, aside from that really cool uh, first scene. And then the scene in which um, Steven meets him in that, I think, unnamed European countryside. Uh, but there are some elements at play here that are interesting, and I would like to see how they play out. But for now, he doesn't seem that wildly compelling to me, other than the minority report angle that he's playing at with Amit. First, to your point on like Ethan Hawke breaking his uh, uh, Marvel cherry. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. I phrased that that way. Um, is that um, he actually signed on to Moon Knight without actually reading the script. Um, so that's how convincing Oscar Isaac and these guys were, is that they, I guess, convinced him that it was going to be a really cool uh, project to be on. And he just went, you know what? Okay, guys, I trust you. So it's too late now if he regrets it, I guess. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, Harrow is an odd villain. I mean, he's in like what one one issue of the comics, and he's nothing like this version of Harrow. And then he just he pops off, never to be seen again. They've got a lot of scope here to make him whatever they want, I guess. Um, his whole thing so far, uh, via his commitment to uh, Amit, is. Um, Weirdly quite reminiscent to me of Tony Stark's ideology from Age of Ultron through to Endgame. Um, I will explain. Like, Harry thinks that bad things should be prevented before they're allowed to happen. And that does make me think of Tony's like weary rant to Steve in Endgame about, you know, um, that's what we do, right? Our best work after the fact. Uh, we're called the Avengers, not the Prevengers. And um, this is something that he's been banging on about for a while. In a way, this is playing with themes that certainly haven't been forgotten in the MCU, and it's stuff that the Avengers themselves have been arguing about for a while. Um, so I wish this felt a bit more fresh to me. Like, I wish he had, um, I guess, um, there was more behind it. But perhaps we'll find out in future episodes that there, there is more behind it. I think that's fair. Um, I, I might be blinded a little bit just by Ethan Hawke's ridiculous charisma. And I just want to once again point out that I would have been much, much happier if uh, if Ethan Hawke had been cast as Doctor Strange, but we're not gonna we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole today. Miami Mimic in the chat wants to know if we can talk about how the CGI is in some scenes pretty bad. Um, I promise we will get to that momentarily. Um, but first I want to talk about something else that we really kind of dig here uh or at least that i really dig which is f murray abraham as the voice of khonshu um although i do have a quick question about that do they even identify khonshu in this first episode i don't believe so no but we know that's khonshu right yeah i don't think it's a spoiler for everybody to say that <laughs> no. this is khonshu the egyptian god of the moon and you know and obviously the source of 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 moon knight's powers but it is interesting that he's not identified by name yet in this episode. He looks great though. He's uh, he's the one thing that I think the CGI the CG looks really solid for in this episode. Um, we'll talk about it in a bit, but some of the other stuff isn't as good. 
Um, I really love F. Murray Abraham. I'm an Abraham stan, an Abra stan. Uh, he always seems up for anything. Like, he won a Best Actor Oscar for Amadeus, but he's also been in, like, Muppets from Space and 13 Ghosts. He's, uh, he's also great in Mythic Quest. If you have Apple TV+, Plus, definitely check that out. Uh, it's a really underrated show, and he really makes the most of every moment on screen. And I feel like he's perfect for the voice of Konshu. And, uh, yeah, Konshu himself looks rad as hell in this first episode. I love it. Make sure you come at us on Twitter with hashtag Abristan, and uh, we will be back for a future episode of uh, F. Murray Abristandom uh, <laughs> right here on Twitch. Alec, what do you know about, do you know anything about Kanchu, or is it, or, or is this, you know, beak-headed uh, specter kind of a, uh, <laughs> a perplexing thing for you? I was astonished. I was so confused. So like I knew going in, like, I mean, all the marketing material says, you know, Moon Knight is, I don't know if it said the avatar, but like he's working on behalf of Khonshu or what have you. And we even see the the bird creature in the trailers. But for some reason, I, I never would have guessed in my entire life that Khonshu was going to speak in this series. <laughs> um, I was completely taken aback. And I am also a fellow Abristan, um, but I will say he's like it's his voice kind of sounds indistinct. Like I don't know why you go and get Oscar winner F. Murray Abraham for this because he just kind of sounds like a generic Optimus Prime. Like the, like the effect they put his voice through. I literally I would not I didn't know it was F. Murray Abraham until like two minutes before we started uh, filming this. Uh, I would have believed if you told me it was whoever did the voice of Optimus Prime or Venom. It sounds very Venom-y, weirdly. Just kind of the the effect they put the voice through. Uh, I would go so far to say is that is one of not my favorite part of the episode, weirdly. I agree with Kirsten. He looks really cool. Um, this you know, undead bird wrapped in uh, linens or what have you. Uh, but just like hearing the voice is kind of jarring and weird. Uh, and I feel like it kind of takes the, if you have Oscar Isaac, I don't know why you would put like another voice in his head. Like we already have two voices in Oscar Isaac's body, Steven and Mark. I don't necessarily know why a third is needed, particularly when it's not Oscar Isaac. It just feels like it's detra uh, detracting and distracting from the role a bit. I would and say it's probably concern. due to the, uh, trying to differentiate the fact that Stephen and Mark are identities and Khonshu isn't actually an identity. He is like a, a separate um, character. Um, they do share like a psychic link, but they, um, I think they wanted to make clear that this just isn't another of Mark's like identities or whatever. So maybe that's it. Does Kanchu talk to him in the comics? Yes. Yes. It's a, it's a relatively recent thing too, right? Like that's a, they like Kanchu has only been talking to him in like the comics of the last decade or so, right, Kirsty? Yeah, I think so. Um, I will also say that someone texted me earlier and um, they said they watched the first episode with the surround sound on, and apparently if you have that go those speakers going, it does sound like F. Murray Abraham is in your head. So apparently it's quite bone rattling. So that would be interesting, I think. I don't have surround sound, so cannot confirm. I can get behind that.
Uh, <laughs> you know, but I think I think some of Alex's confusion here is speaking to, and this is not me. I, I'm not. I promise I'm not going to go off on another rant trash in the show. But like, I do think that Alex's confusion here is indicative of a structural problem with the show which is that like Moon Knight is a complicated character and even just the basics of like the, the Egyptian God who looms large over his life, this, you know, we need, we needed an origin story here, you know, like I appreciate that they're trying to build mystery here. Um, but I don't know if you can build mystery or sympathy for characters when there's like no understanding whatsoever of the, you know, of the cosmology at work of like, you know, kind of everything else. Like, and you know me, like I'm pretty anti-traditional origin stories. Like there's nothing I want to see less these days than like another two hour, you know, three act structure, origin story, superhero movie, whatever, like, like it's done. But Moon Knight is an exception to that in part because the origin itself is so action packed, you know? So I don't know. It's uh, I, I'm a little worried that non-comic readers don't, you know, like are are potentially this confused by Conchu's presence, especially when Conchu is so cool. Yeah, I didn't. I did not know what to, when Conchu started speaking to me. I was very confused. I like that you said speaking to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he told you guys to kill your parents, right? Because <laughs> that's what I got. What about the look and feel of the show? Because this is something that was just brought up in the comments by, by Miami Mimic as well. Um, it's kind of hard to tell when so much of the episode is set in a dingy apartment and a museum gift shop. But, you know, what we do see of the wider world, what, what does everybody think? And an another unfortunate area where, like, I, I, it's probably annoying, as annoying as Stephen Grant for us to constantly be like, well, just wait for the next episodes. But this is another area where, like, I feel like I have an unfair advantage over the viewer and that I've seen the next three. Um, and that's where my uh, my ire really gets raised in terms of the look of the show, because that's where it gets like really generic and kind of just boring and lifeless. Um, in comparison to what's to come, I actually found this first episode to be at least somewhat visually interesting just because some so much of it is outside in um, that uh, kind of nondescript European countryside. Um, I like the the area where the scene between Arthur's cult and um, Stephen plays out. Uh, it's kind of just like a nice little European or even like South American area. Um, and like a lot of the Egyptian iconography is at least different for the MCU. It's something different to look at uh, than what we're used to seeing. So one episode in, I feel like CG aside, which I, I know that <laughs> the commenters specifically ask, specifically ask about, um, it does seem visually interesting to begin with. I just know where it's going and I'm upset, unfortunately. I don't think there's too much to say about the look and feel of this first episode because um, it does sort of jump around quite a lot. Um, I wasn't blown away by it in this first one. Unlike Alec, in the in episode two, I think I there was quite a lot of visual stuff I really enjoyed, um, but this one seemed to be uh, too busy setting things up and getting from A to B, introducing people 
so it didn't it didn't have uh, too much time to dwell uh, on its look but it certainly didn't offend me it didn't offend my eyes like it was uh, pretty good and I'll say that I do love those end credits I think they're that whole sequence is really slick really impressive and um, I did notice that uh, Oscar Isaac's head splits into three during uh, in the end credits and I thought that was interesting because we've talked about how you know Mark Spector has two other identities and one of them hasn't appeared in this show yet so uh, it would it yeah, that to me says that it won't be long until we meet that third one, but we'll have to wait and see. The end credits are great, and the score is great. I really like the score on the show. Like I, I'm, I, and it, and there's more of it. Like I, I started noticing it more and more, and especially on the second viewing. Um, I will say that that the, the the CG during that car chase was shameful. Um, was like really really bad. And once again, I feel like I say this. Sorry, somebody's ringing my doorbell. This is the uh, the dangers of apartment living in New York City, folks. Uh, and I have the most jarring doorbell in history. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, the jarring CGI. Um, yeah, like, I feel like I have to say this almost like every other Marvel fandom episode is there's just this, are these people kidding me? There's There's just no excuse whatsoever for, you know, the most successful franchise in history to have special effects that look that bad. I'm sorry. Like, you know, their Star Wars stuff doesn't look like that. So clearly there's something going wrong in, in the process here. Like that really, honestly, that scene was so bad. It took me out of the show. And it was like, it, it's really, really disappointing. That's a show that's supposed to be as action heavy as Moon Knight, like allows itself to have a, have a sequence that looks like that. I like the, the cupcake chases um, like main gimmick of Steven constantly like passing out and coming to, um, in his identity uh, but you're right not only is the the CGI there rough but it also just is kind of a victim of timing because it compares really unfavorably to that awesome car chase in Hawkeye and doesn't look like there's been as much time spent on the CG here as other projects I don't know why that would be um, maybe we're just being too critical at this point because of the amazing things we've seen them do I don't know Moon Knight himself at the end didn't look I don't know how to explain this, but you know how you see Spider-Man or Iron Man on screen and you're like, they're there. I felt like, <laughs> I felt like some of the CG, the added CG they, they put on Moon Knight, if indeed they had, it certainly appeared that way, uh, looked a bit ropey. Um, and I was like, I don't know if he's there. Is he? Probably, but I haven't just, I haven't quite got there yet in terms of uh, suspending my disbelief. Um, they also uh, shot that, that jackal sequence in the dark, which is, you know... Oh, no. do. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Mike is getting lit up today. First the commenters, <laughs> now Andrew stabbed him in the back. That's a little little Marvel stand in joke there, folks. Uh, Andrew's been waiting to deploy that on me for months. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, what was I saying? Um, <laughs> I think that, yeah, we, we've seen, you know, in the past where movies set sequences in the dark because they want to hide that the CG isn't quite there in terms of the quality. So not 
sure which came first there, chicken or the egg, probably. Um, but it's it wasn't great. The the CG for me stood out as probably the the low point of the episode. Also disappointed that the ending, uh, the ending of this episode is essentially the ending of the trailer, like the main right. trailer. Um, you mentioned Kirsten a while ago. You mentioned like TV not necessarily being the ideal medium for Moon Knight, and I, as as you guys can see, right there it says TV editor. I have a lot of opinions <laughs> about TV. Um, I just it's borderline offensive to me that like if you only you only have six episodes to fill, every single ep- the ending of every single episode should be utterly astonishing. Like, could you imagine if, like, the folks, I mean, like, for, throughout TV history, like, writers had to make 25 episodes a season for, like, 10 seasons compelling. Like, the writers of ER and Law and & Order and NYPD Blue lost. Um, but, like, Moon Knight, you only have six episodes to work with. It just, it, it's really unfortunate to me that the ending of the very first episode would be so kind of pat and unsurprising to the point where it's literally just the ending of the trailer um you only have six endings to work with and i feel like they should have done more with the ending of this first episode i can get behind that although the good thing about that ending is that's when we finally meet mark specter for real right and you know i think this is a key thing and i wonder how much this kind of factored into the decisions to make stephen grant so irritating and not charming and like just generally, you know, miserable. Um, Because when we do meet Mark Spector, it's very much like kind of the character you usually expect from Oscar Isaac, you know, there's like, he's, he's Poe Dameron to some degree. Right. And, you know, I could see whether it was Oscar himself or whether it was the producers being like, look, we really need you to play against type for one of these aspects. Otherwise, people aren't going to be looking at you as this character. They're going to be looking at you, one of the most beloved actors of the moment, and, you know, like the internet's boyfriend or whatever, as... Daddy. You know. The internet's daddy. <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. Sorry Thank to you correct you, Mike, but Thank this you. is important. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, as the internet's daddy. Like, so I wonder how much that kind of factored into it. And, you know, yes, personally, I would much rather just see... Oscar Isaac be Oscar Isaac as Mark Spector in this more, you know, Poe Dameron, Indiana Jones type role, then I would suffer another 15 seconds with Stephen Grant. Um, But that's just me. But doesn't starting out with Stephen Grant being so pathetic and lonely and like getting on your nerves make for it, or could it make for a journey where he becomes you know heroic and and you know a vital aspect of Mark Spector that he can't live without and that he doesn't want to abandon does that not make sense narratively I don't know someone that we just can't stand initially grows on us perhaps uh, by the end of the series because he develops he has an arc do you know what I mean Yes, if we lost the absurd accent and <laughs> like a couple of the other just like really over the top traits. And I think we could also get that arc 
with approximately half the screen time for that character that we get in this episode alone. You know, like I, I absolutely agree with you, but it's just all turned up to 11 in a way that I don't think it needs to be to achieve the very reasonable goal that I think you just outlined. That kind of goes back to one of Mike's earlier complaints. Well, it's like this could have supported an origin story for Mark Spector and Moon Knight. Um, and the, the way they introduce and treat Stephen Grant and like the journey that they intend to take him on kind of functionally operates as an origin story to begin with. So you get the storytelling effect of an origin story without none of the benefits of it being, of it adding clarity. You know what I mean? Like, whereas they could have just done the origin story with Mark Spector in the first place, and that would have fulfilled the function of an origin story while also have been made, making more sense to idiots like me who don't know why Kanshu is suddenly talking. I'm gonna tell you why you're wrong, <laughs> but in a future episode. <laughs> like there, I feel like there's a more appropriate episode to revisit this discussion with. And I want to be very careful, first of all, about not spoiling future episodes for people who, you know, who have not seen what we have seen. But also, I want to be very careful about not critiquing this based on the show that I wish it was. You know what I mean? Like, I think we like we're very good about critiquing the show that is presented to us. So I will try not to turn this into into Moon Knight fanfic as we go on. But I, I think there, there are other elements that kind of play with exactly what you're talking about, Alec. And it's, you know, I still don't find them effective, but that's just me. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is really fair, but so far, how does this compare to the first episodes of the other Disney Plus Marvel shows that we've seen? Oh, I feel like Alec will have a lot of opinions. I, you would I actually, think I would, but no. You would think. Well, <laughs> let me let me ask you another question then, because you're not, you've not, you've said you really don't like this show, from what you've seen of it so far, right? Is that fair? Um, you really didn't like Falcon and the Winter Soldier either. Yes. Um, and we all had a lot of problems with that show. Um, is this is Moon Knight to you worse than? Falcon and the Winter Soldier? That's a good question, because I actually was thinking about that earlier today. Um, and I, I don't think it's fair for me to answer it, because I've not seen the ending of Moon Knight yet. Um, and for what it's worth, the you know the last screener that we got for this kind of sets up a final two episodes that could be pretty interesting. Um, so I don't know. I think if I were to compare just this to the first episode of the Falcon Winter Soldier, I think this one compares more favorably. I feel like one episode in, Moon Knight is stronger than Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's my take. Uh, but a lot of the Marvel series, uh, WandaVision and Loki aside, which are increasingly looking more um, variants, <laughs> or increasingly looking more like exceptions, um, the first episodes of a lot of the Marvel series kind of accomplish the same things. They don't really find themselves until a couple episodes in. I love that Andrew's highlighted me like, guess he's going to have something to say about this. <laughs> um, and I really don't because I was just thinking about the first episode of Hawkeye and how I watched it and was just absolutely thrilled and couldn't wait to get to the next episode. And that's probably the strongest first episode of these shows for me so far. 
I was that's what I was thinking about like what would be the my favorite first episode so far I think this one as as it is is pretty strong um I will say that um people have been really positive about it online much more forgiving than critics which you know it's not uncommon um but viewers are really enjoying Oscar Isaac's performance they're enjoying Ethan's weird villain I mean, I think the consensus is that the waiter who was willing to have Stephen's steak cooked well done was the real villain here, but, you know. I also did a, a poll on how how much people enjoyed this first episode, and the results before I came on air were that 70% of people either loved it or liked it, 25% of people felt a bit eh, and five people, five percent responded that they hated it, and I assume that was just you guys clicking the button on your burner accounts. <laughs> I voted from my main. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of Kevin Feige. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not hate Falcon and Winter Soldier as much as Alec. Um, you know, in fact, I thought early on, like you know, that show had problems, and and it really kind of meandered to the finale, but. Not only do I think that had a better first episode than Moon Knight, I think Iron Fist had a better first episode than Moon Knight. Um, like now, we all know how that show turned out, so I'm not gonna. I'm yeah, not, you loved it. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. The only hill that I will die on is that Iron Fist season two is good. Like that's it. That's as far as that's as far as we'll go. But no, season one is inexcusable. Like I got I got nothing there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like even even though the problems were there from episode one with that cursed show, um, you know there was there was nobody quite as grating as uh, forty five minutes with Stephen Grant, and I just uh, <laughs> I can't do it, folks. I can't. I, I want to say a couple things in defense of this episode in particular before I get really nasty going forward. Oh, wow. All right. Ago. Um, but I do, uh, Mike, like ages ago, and I've, I've just, I've been waiting to say this since you said it, but I hasn't come, I had a chance to come up yet. A lot of the decisions this episode makes are not good ones. And I would agree in kind of a broad sense and where the, the big plot goes. Uh, but I think a lot of the little details in this episode are kind of charming, which is why I think I find it um, more pleasant a watching experience uh, than later episodes. Um, like the inexplicable use of Big Pimpin as a, as a music cue is kind of funny. <laughs> um, Stephen Grant's mumbling about blue people in anime after Arthur Harrow says, uh, mentions Avatar um, the fact that Steven's only friend is like a human statue in the park. Uh, there's just like a lot of weird, just like fun, odd details that make this episode charming, even when it's not entirely effective. So that's what I would say in this one's defense before I'm very mean in the episodes to come. Well, this is going to be interesting because like the phases of the moon, you know, Alex's hatred and like you know, and my liking of the show will wax and wane as we uh, as we go on. It is thematically appropriate. So, um, 
I think the three of us only have like a certain amount of hatred between the three of us and it's just appropriated differently depending on what show we're doing. (laughs) Mike, I actually was going to ask you as a first step towards the supernatural world of uh, Marvel uh, in the show, did you feel like this episode did its horror elements well? Um, Do you feel like they worked no you know i i don't think there's enough of them i do think that jackal is a really cool design though you know like i i really enjoyed that um you know the when he's being stalked in the museum i thought that was kind of a step in the right direction but you know again it's just it's just not enough of it to judge there is you know we'll see how we'll see what comes in the next few episodes um i love the the you know the imagery surrounding the egyptian mythology and religion that is is encompassed in the show i'm always fascinated by that stuff i love seeing it represented on screen we do get more of it in future episodes and i really like that and um you know and it is it does make for a very different feel than what we're used to within the mcu so that's one of the reasons that i will certainly uh, take a kinder view of future episodes. And, you know, I think there's, there's potential here, you know, I can definitely see how Moon Knight could become the appropriate kind of protector Avenger of this corner of the MCU. But what we see here isn't quite enough, but that Jackal, which is not a werewolf, unfortunately, is very cool. (laughs) So um, I, I do like seeing that. So, you know, what are the chances that um, Mark Spector will run into Apocalypse, as played by Oscar Isaac, at the end of this show? Slim they, in this, but with, zero. <laughs> but with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness coming in May, I guess every, anything's possible <laughs> now, right? Like, <laughs> is that it, folks? Do is that uh, is that where we leave everybody before we sign off? I think we got all the hate out. i promise folks it's not going to be like this every week it's not but it looks like that is it for this week's marvel standum we will be back each and every week that is not a threat breaking down new episodes of moon knight as they hit along with any other relevant marvel comics or mcu news that we think is appropriate if you like this show, make sure you're following us right here at Twitch TV, Denny Geek TV, or better yet, subscribe. You can also watch and subscribe over at youtube.com slash US. And don't forget to check out our web home of denigeek.com where you can find all our Marvel and Moon Knight coverage. Be sure to follow at Marvel Standom on Twitter and Instagram because we'll have some surprises there too soon. And hey, did you know that we also have a DC show? That's right. You can also listen to DC Standom wherever you get your podcasts and occasionally on Twitch. Check it out. Keep it on Twitch to check out future episodes of our paranormal talk show, Talking Strange, as well. But this has been Marvel Standom on the Denny Geek Network. And until next time, I'm Mike Chikini. And remember, folks, we stand together. <laughs> <laughs>